This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. Do not adjust your radio dials, people. It's a special edition of ESPN New York Tonight in place of Chris Carlin, but instead it's me taking you up until 9.30. Let's roll, people. Oh, a big Tuesday night. And we have the next two and a half hours to talk about it all. Yes, Gordon Damer with you, off and running on this Tuesday night. Special edition of ESPN New York tonight, filling in for Chris Carlin. Obviously, he's been with DCR. They needed a, they needed a C to fill out the DCR, so he's been there. I'm here, and we got the Knicks back in action tonight, back in L.A., ready to take on the Lakers. You know, before the road trip, I think most of us said, you know what, two and four would be okay but I'd like three and three. Three and three I would sign for. I'd take two and four, but give me three and three. Well, how does four and two sound? Oh, that sounds pretty good to me. Four seed in the East sounds pretty good. Rolling towards the playoffs sounds pretty good. And no LeBron James tonight for the Lakers. After all those reports that he was going to be back from the ankle tonight, is uh, does not look like he is going to be able to go. So the Knicks with a chance to make it four and two. Well, look, even if LeBron played, they had a chance to go four and two. But now you'd have to think the chances are even better. Of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram. You can ignore me on both. It's all up to you. I'm not the boss of you people. But, you know, we'll get to the Knicks tonight because last night I know a lot of people wanted to get in on them. And we were not able to get all the phone calls, but we'll do that tonight. one 800 919 ESPN as we lead you up till 930 Knicks and uh, Lakers pregame here then but you know I wanted to start with the Yankees because a the story we're following right the uh, you heard it on the K show Yankee third base coach Phil Nevin uh, has tested positive for COVID the Yankees releasing a statement saying quote we have a breakthrough positive involving third base coach Phil Nevin who is fully vaccinated he is currently under quarantine protocol in Tampa under baseball's guidance and advice and with its assistance, additional testing and contact tracing are ongoing. Now, at first, when you heard that news today, and Marley Rivera of ESPN.com had reported uh, that five coaches had actually tested positive, uh, I don't know that we have any more updates other than the Phil Nevin so far. I think the, the testing process is, is still going on. Uh, but at first, it seemed like maybe tonight's game might get canceled. And the fact the Yankees are facing the Rays, I, I don't know about you. I wouldn't have uh, necessarily, considering the Rays' mastery of the Yankees, uh, been all too uh, disappointed by that. But let's see if the Yankees can finally get the ship pointed in the right direction. Hopefully, Phil Nevin, all reports are he's feeling fine. So hopefully, he gets over it and gets back soon. And uh, nobody else tested positive because uh, 85% the Yankees had passed that threshold already. So it was kind of surprising news when it came down earlier today. But uh, look, this series, and we'll focus it on the series and we'll focus it on the Yankees here. Uh, And we'll take your calls, 1-800-919-ESPN. This series, I don't want to overblow it, but it's as much of a measuring stick series as you can really kind of have in mid-May, right? Now, it's partly about the Yankees and whether or not they've truly kind of turned things around. They've won more games recently. They're not 5-10 and anymore. But have they really turned it around? It's kind of hard to have a whole level of faith in that because it doesn't seem like the offense has turned around as of yet. For all the, for all the praise of some timely hitting and some great pitching, you're not, I don't think as a Yankee fan going to feel 100% until they're back being the Yankees, back being the Bronx Bombers, or certainly a lot more than they have so far this year. 
So partly it's about the Yankees, but partly it's about the raised mastery of the Yankees. Now, there have been some, some reasons for optimism lately, right? Going from 9 and 10 to, what is it, 18 and 16, wins in 13 of 19, the best record in baseball in that span, just finished the homestand at 7 and 2. But I think the best news, and, and maybe if this game were at Yankee Stadium tonight, Luke Voigt might be the first guy to get a standing ovation before he's ever played a game uh, on the season. Uh, I mean, I feel like... Uh, I feel like Susan Waldman reacted to Roger Clemens's return when I see having Luke Voigt back in the lineup, finally ending the endless string of ineptitude that the Yankees have had at first base. Reading the Yankee first baseman stats so far this year is like Dean Wormer reading the Delta House midterm grains at Animal House. Each one is worse than the one before. And I know they had LeMahieu over there, you know, more than probably anybody else, but that just opens up the hole at second base. And that means Rugnit Odor at 164, 271, and 361. Now, he's had a couple of home runs. Congratulations, Mr. Odor. You're the top of the Delta Pledge class. But be it Mike, uh, Mike Ford, 103, 239, 256. Jay Bruce. Remember Jay Bruce? Jay Bruce would have been uh, D-Day. No, no grade point averages. All classes incomplete. And then, of course, uh, Miguel Andujar is much like Mr. Blutowski. His, uh, his average is 0.0. So watching them on a reg- regular basis and watching the Yankee offense on a regular basis would be enough to drive you to drink. And as we all know from Animal House, fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. So this is where the Yankee first baseman this year ranked. And keep in mind, this is with LeMayu playing over there quite a bit. Batting average, 30th. On base percentage, 29th. Slugging, 29th. OPS plus, 30th. Home runs, 28th. So if you're looking for the biggest possible realistic upgrade, here you go. Luke Voigt in the lineup tonight. And um, because the, the, even with the better record, the offense has still been really bad. And, you know, I keep hearing from people that, well, you know, it's the bottom third of the lineup. It's not really been the bottom third of the lineup. It's been the bottom half. The bottom half of the Yankee lineup on most nights includes five guys from this group. Frazier, Sanchez, Hicks, Glaber, Gardner, Ford, Odor, or Wade. And those guys, none of them really have performed like you. Well, some of them have performed, you know, there's not high expectations for. But Frazier coming into the year, there were high expectations for. Hicks, even though, you know, he's not the, the favorite of Yankee fans a lot of times, there were higher expectations for this. And Glaber Torres, we pointed this out at nauseum and finally had the home run on Sunday, which is great for a guy who's been slugging under 300 up until that point. Uh, these are the guys that you got to get going because, again, there are, there's, no, there's no moves riding to the rescue. There's, nobody, there's no big trade that the Yankees are going to make. There's no big name that they're going to bring in here to maybe get things jump-started. It's going to have to be about these guys getting it turned around. And both Hicks and Glaber, some hopeful signs, some signs that maybe they are on the, on the long road back. But make no mistake, it is a long road back. And I guess if you had two guys in the lineup right now, one is and one is not tonight in the lineup uh, that you'd have to be most concerned about. One would be Clint Frazier, clearly. Uh, I brought this up last night. They actually intentionally walked a guy hitting 091 the other day to get to him, and it worked out, and it worked out. And then you have Sanchez, who at this point, I mean, I don't know what, what more really could be said. just seems like a lost cause. Now, his strikeout rate from last year, which was just abysmal, is slightly down. And his walk rate from last year, which was abysmal, is slightly up. But other than that, the guy's like an automatic out. And I know that there is always the promise 
that he might eventually get worked get it worked out. I think that promise is starting to, boy, oh boy, it's, it's fading quickly, right? But I'm not sure what the value is starting him over Higashioka at this point. I really don't. And they were talking on the K show today. Well, you know, Higashioka, if you play him every day, he's not going to have the numbers he has. Let's just go with what his, regu- his, his career numbers are. Just go with what his career numbers are and what the, the Sanchez numbers have been here for the better part of, what, two years. And I don't know that there's that much of a difference. Higashioka's batting average in his career is 192, which is bad. The last season and this season, Gary Sanchez is 155. Now his slugging is higher, but it's, it, at least with Higashioka, you get the promise of some actual defense. And I don't think it's a coincidence that when Higashioka was starting to get a little bit of a regular run that the Yankee pitching... The guys started pitching deeper into games. Now, maybe that's just part of the schedule. Maybe that was part of the opponents and everything else. But I don't think it's a coincidence that the guys pitch better with Higashioka behind the plate than with Sanchez. And at this point with Sanchez, it's like taking the milk out of the fridge, realizing it's sour, putting it back in and hoping it's fresh tomorrow. Like, what, what are you expecting to change? I get it at one point. Maybe you think, all right, you know, at some point, this guy is just too talented and eventually it's going to click. We're waiting for the click. There's been no click. And at this point, I don't know how you can... It might click sporadically, right? He'll hit a home run here or there. But that's what you're thats what you're holding out for? That's what you're waiting for? For the one rare time that he actually can put bat to ball and, and, and drive it? And then, of course, there's Aaron Judge. And not the Judge has been one of the issues so far, but I, look, there has to be a bit of a level of concern here. He got off to a halfway decent start to the year, but he's apparently dealing with something health-wise, right? He's now two for his last 24. I think he's got 15 strikeouts. Is that just a slump? Maybe that's just part of the ups and downs of the season, but he looks so lost right now, and it's clear that they are trying to treat some sort of ailment with a day off here, a day off there, not playing him uh, too many games in a row. And it kind of goes back to the whole issue before. Like, I'd like 70% Aaron Judge rather than 0% Aaron Judge. But I'm starting to wonder just how effective he's going to play when he does play and whether or not a stint on the injured list is what's going to end up turning out to be the case anyway. So there you go. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. And I'm not going to make it bigger than it is, but, you know, the Yankees have to start beating the Rays. And it, it's one thing to say, well, you know, the Rays are really good. The Rays, I think, now are 5-1 and one against the Yankees and 14-16 and 16 against everybody else. So it's not like they're playing all that well. They've had significantly more injuries than the Yankees have had. And the Yankees have now lost, I think it's seven straight series to them. So it's about time to, to pick things up. It's time to pick things up. And it would be great to start with a win tonight because at this point, it certainly seems like the Rays are in their head, and each game that you lose to them, you're already one and five against them so far this year. That each game you lose, if it's not in your head, it's going to start getting in your head. One eight hundred nine one nine ESPN is the telephone number. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Let's start things off on the phones tonight, as we will go out to Spike, formerly of Jersey. Spike, what's going on? Good to hear you riding uh, solo here tonight. We got a big night tonight. One Yankee comment I was just mentioning to uh, Brian about the COVID. 
And uh, I, I was just talking to my wife about it. There's a travel ban in effect from May 4th uh, uh, from India to the U.S. And uh, it's still frightening to me. I don't know, I'm sure you feel the same way. It's, uh, you know, when you get, they said five coaches, but one is quarantined. And then I just heard Tatis also. Yeah, that was also came out uh, earlier today. Yeah, well, look, I mean, even though you have the, I don't want to get into the whole vaccine talk, but even though no, you're, you're vaccinated, you can still get it. Now, you're not going to get it as severely. You're not almost certainly going to have a hospital stay, and you're certainly not going to die if you have the vaccine. But these things can still pop up. So it is a little surprising, although it turns out that, uh, that Nevin had the Johnson & Johnson and that one, while effective right. against the, the hospital and the death start part of yeah. it, uh, is not as quite as effective apparently in terms. Yeah, of the yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm just going to pass by that. I just wanted. I didn't. I didn't know if you were aware of the Tatis yep. thing because that's a that's a big name guy, and that's a guy that looks like he could be the face of baseball down the road. I could be wrong, but he certainly has pedigree. So, so then we got to what's happening tonight, and I said to uh, Brian in uh, my old uh, Brooklynese language, we got, but. LeBron's cojones have shrunk a little bit. <laughs> he didn't want to get beaten up tonight, so he took the easy way out. Now, you know, I love LeBron. I respect him. But uh, I wouldn't wear, you know, he's been out with that high ankle. Back-to-back is not the optimum way to put him back in. And I think the Knicks would be a little more difficult. Uh, not that they would lose a win, but it's a little rougher on the player physically. What they did the other night, when I had talked to Larry, he was on solo, and I just got on the phone with him, and I kept saying, oh, baby, what wins what best offensive three-point shooting team with the Clippers against the best defensive shooting team? And Larry started on the phone at 11 o'clock, and I cheering defense quietly. It was wonderful. It's as good a win as we've had in 10 years. It really is. Yeah. And everything now, I want to just get your opinion. Thanks for the time. Always a great listen. Everything's gravy now to me, Gordon. It really is. Everything's gravy. You know, we've come so far in such a short period of time, and we know Derek Rose was a steal, and Randall's uh, never saw a ball player like that. You and I have talked at the late hours of the night, and the coach is great. I mean, and we got the draft picks in the cap room. You encapsulate it all. It's all good now. Yeah. Uh, look, and I touched on this, Spike, last night. Thanks for the phone call, Spike, as always. Um the Knicks don't have a mandate come the playoffs. Like this, this idea, this narrative that's kind of getting pushed in some circles about they have to do this now and they have to do that. They have to lock up the four seed. No, this season has been a success. Now, I don't want it to end. I want it to keep going. And whenever it does end, if it's in the first round or the second round, wherever it is, uh, I'll be disappointed because it's just so much fun to watch them, which has not been the case in forever. And again, it's easy to say that, that the Clipper win – was the the most important win that they've had in the regular season in a very long time, certainly since the 54-win year. What was that, eight years ago? Because they haven't had a whole lot of wins, big, important regular season wins. By this point in the season, just in terms of the games played, we would have long kind of put the the Knicks on the back burner because they would have long been uh, no longer competitive. The season would have been over. Anytime the Knicks in the past got one, two games under five hundred. You knew very shortly it was going to be soon five games under 500, 10 games under 500. It is a different feel this year. It's a different team this year. And just for LeBron sitting out, it is the right call. He has to make sure that he is 100% healthy. And I would, if I'm LeBron, I would rather be the 10 seed in the play-in. Like if they're not going to get to six and they're going to be in the play-in, 
which is almost you know pretty certain, right? They don't have the tiebreaker against the the, the Trailblazers. I would rather be a hundred percent healthy and be the ten than make the push to try to get in the playoffs and end up at seven anyway. I, I don't want LeBron to be compromised because it's it's LeBron and it's Anthony Davis and that's and that's their shot. And anything that that uh, takes away from both of those guys being as close to a hundred percent as they can be. Uh, I'm not willing to risk that. So I think it is the right call by LeBron to sit out tonight. And the fact that the Knicks happen to benefit, all the better. All the better. I mean, no, I don't remember any. I know a guy called last night saying that uh, he thought that they were going to go four and two. I don't remember. We, Larry and I take a bunch of calls. We take a bunch of Nick calls. I listen to the K show. I listen to DCR. I listen to Barton Hahn. I didn't hear anybody anywhere say before this road trip, I think the Knicks are going to go four and two. I think the Knicks are going to go out there and, and keep in mind, this comes, and I love them, this comes from a delusional fan base who's always kind of hoping and thinking the best things are going to happen and have had those hopes dashed time and time again. Speaking of hopes dashed, well, no, not hopes dashed. Luke Voigt now stepping in for the Yankees, but already the Yankees a one nothing lead. It was that, didn't I tell you, Aaron Judge to the rescue. I told you, is it a... he came up with a home run. So already the Yankees a one nothing lead on Tampa Bay. Good to see. I don't think it's a coincidence, though. Like, there's some sort of physical ailment with him, and it seems like every day, time he does have a day off or an extra day off because they were off uh, yesterday, that he comes through. Uh, so I don't know what the issue is. It seems to be some sort of lower body ailment or injury, or I guess it's not an injury but an ailment. But it's good to see that, I mean, the Yankees have to get going here. It's about time that the offense – I know offense is down across baseball. I know home runs are down across baseball. But the, the level of performance so far – has been way too low down. And for a team that's greatest strength is their offense, it's about time. Now with the Voight back, hopefully judge here for the next couple of days, although those three days on the turf, that's going to be tough. Hopefully the Yankees are, uh, are the real deal, and now we're going to start to see the Yankees that we expected coming into the year. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. And, you know, we uh, did this the other day a little bit. I'm thinking about starting a new segment when both – Brian Munguia and Jake Montgomery are working. Now, they're younger guys. And anytime I bring up anything from my youth to them, they, they think that I'm talking like from something from like 1925. Like the other day, was it Saturday was on? Sunday was on? I said, oh, guys, you see that uh, Tawny Katane passed away. And Jake's response was, who is Tommy Katane? So that tells you that there's an age difference. So today, May 11th, is a very big day in movie history. And I would think that this is a movie both of these guys have seen, so we'll test them a little bit later on. May 11th, what important event took place on May 11th? No Googling. This is not, um, you know, it's not one of those segments, well, all right? Well, first off, Gordon, I want to say I thought it was Tony Katane. Oh, right. oh, yeah, you're right. To Tony Katane, right? Not, to, not, not Tommy, right. That would be ridiculous, um, yes. I don't. I'm going to guess with the No, I'm not 11th. asking you for guesses yet. We're not doing that uh, yet. We'll do you, that later on. I'm uh, giving you okay. some time to ruminate. What a tease. Yeah, yeah. you're terrible, Goring. May 11th? May See, 11th. That's today's date, right? Is. May 11th. Yeah, yeah. I do know who Tawny Katane is, oh, and you okay. didn't ask me because she was right. also in The Surreal Life, and she was like a vixen, right? She was in music videos. Yes, of so course. So that's how I know Bachelor her. Party, White Snake videos. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I said to... Um, I think it was Mike that was running the board that night. I said, Mike, uh, can you get... Do you, do you know some White Snake? He said, no, 
I don't, but I can find it. I said, okay, there we go. And he did. He found, he found some, here I go again. And uh, he found it. Tony Katane is definitely one of my favorite characters in the Sopranos though. Right. Exactly. Yes. All right. So there you go. That's uh, Jake and Brian. We'll test them a little bit later. And there's a, I I would think 20% chance they get this. This is a big move, a big moment in movie history, but whether or not they associate it with the date, that's to be seen, but we'll find out. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. The Yankees are right now up uh, 1-0 on the Rays. I've lost the remote somehow, so I can't check on the Mets. Do we have a Mets score yet? It is uh, still 0-0 going into the bottom of the first. The Orioles had runners on first and second, no outs, and they scored no runs. Darn it. Um, I don't generally check the Mets, so the remote sometimes, uh, I'll find it at some point. You know, people have been in my studio here, so that, uh, that kind of throws me off a little bit. But we'll figure it out. Uh, all right, let's, start, let's turn our attention a little bit to the Knicks uh, because they are the story at this time. And it just shows you, right? Like, they still have four games left. They haven't clinched anything yet. They have not even clinched the playoffs yet. They still have some work to do. But look at where the excitement level is already. Look at where the expectation level is now. And that just shows you that if they do get into the, when they get into the playoffs, because they're almost certainly going to do it, even though they've not clinched anything yet. And if they are the four seed and they start playing playoff games and start winning playoff games, and, and I'm telling you, if they win a playoff series, it's going to be up for grabs because Nick fans have been waiting and hoping and, and probably even more so than the 54-win team, which was very a very good team, right? I mean, they went into the playoffs as one of the top seeds. I think they were the, were they the two seed that year? I got to go back and check. But that team had some expectations, but it was like kind of like here today, gone tomorrow. I mean, that, that run really didn't last all that long outside of the 54-win season. This team, while it's not built yet, it's kind of built or at least set up to last a little bit, right? Like you still have Randall for another year. You can certainly bring him back and will bring him back. But now with the draft picks and the cap space, and, and it seems like a regime that actually kind of has a, a, a finger on the pulse uh, of free agents and star players around the league, much more so than previous regimes. This this is really, they're set up now better now than I think that they probably ever have been in the last 20 years or so, since the real glory days of the 90s. So um, we'll see how it goes tonight. Uh, another win here. They get closer and closer. And I thought if they, they finished 3-3 three and three on the road trip, they would come home in fourth place. And certainly if they come home 4-2, and two, then we know that they're going to come home in fourth place because they still are the half game ahead of the Hawks and a full game ahead of the Heat. So once again, it needs to be mentioned that the Knicks don't have a playoff mandate this year. Now, I hope they win the playoff uh, the series, whoever they play in the opening round. If they're the four seed, the five seed, the six seed, obviously that's going to be uh, far more difficult. But if they're the four or five, there's no reason why they can't win. But there's no level of expectation where they have to win. That's just unfair. Te- there are teams that have mandates in the playoffs this year, a lot of them. The Nets have a playoff mandate. The Nets have a mandate to win the entire thing this year. Otherwise, their season is a complete failure. That's a mandate. That's fair. The Bucks, the Sixers, they have mandates to get to the NBA Finals. The Sixers got to get past the second round at the very least. The Celtics, even without uh, Jalen Brown, you know, without winning at least a play, they've been in the playoff mix here before. They've had success in the playoffs. When you've done that and you've been down this road before, the hope is you're always going to be continually progressing. And if you don't, well, then that season is a disappointment. That season is a failure. And if the Celtics get in as the the seventh seed into the play-in, 
and don't win a playoff series or only win a playoff series, there's no way that their season will not be seen as a disappointment. So that's the one thing we kind of touched on last night. We'll continue to take your phone calls on that 1-800-919-ESPN. The other thing that I keep hearing, and look, it's not a big deal because at the end of the day, I don't really care who wins the awards. Like MVP, yeah, I mean, I, I think that Randall clearly should be a top five vote getter for MVP based on the fact that he's been there every single day. He's worked, and, and without him, how can you not be valuable if without you, the team would not be nearly where they are? He has been their all-star. He has been their all-NBA performer. And to me, that has to translate into votes for MVP. I'm not saying that he has to win, and I'm not all that hung up on awards. But if we're going to have the conversation about Tom Thibodeau and the coach of the year, every time, I hear someone say, you know, Tom Thibodeau should be coach of the year. Someone will always come back with, well, what about Quinn Snyder? Well, what about Monty Williams? No one is saying that those guys don't deserve praise or don't deserve votes or don't deserve to, you know, do very well in the voting. But I think uh, 538.com points this out kind of perfectly. So much of the Knicks' success this year is based on the incredible and almost unbelievable amount of production that they have gotten from established players getting more than could be expected out of players with a track record. Tom Thibodeau has gotten more value out of established guys and not just Julius Randle. Randle went from being a good player and in his first year with the Knicks, a very frustrating player to an absolute all-star by all metrics and measures. But it's not just him. It's, it's the Reggie Bullocks. It's the uh, Nerlens Noel. It's Derrick Rose getting more than you could ever expect. And really, this is the question. Do you think anyone could have gotten close to what Tibbs has gotten out of this squad if they took it over, right? Like if Tibbs took over Utah, they would still be a very good team. Now, I don't know if they'd have the exact same record, but last year the Jazz were 44-28. and 28. So all credit to Quinn Snyder. He's done a great job. And they've been fantastic, but they're a pretty talented team. Now, the Suns, they only won 34 games last year. But in terms of talent, I think any established coach could have kind of matched what they've done this year. And that's no disrespect to Monty Williams. They also added Chris Paul. They also have Derek Book, uh, Devin Booker, who's one of the, you know, the best scorers in the league. If you gave a, a random coach a choice of the Jazz roster, the Suns roster, or the Knicks roster. I'm pretty sure I can, I can, I know which one they're probably not going to take. I, I can tell you that right now. They're not going to take the Knicks roster. Maybe they take, I would think that they would take the Jazz roster. And if not the Jazz roster, they take the Suns roster. And if not those two rosters, they'd wait for more rosters to become available. Because no one anywhere looked at this Knicks roster when, when Tibbs came on board and said, boy, oh boy, what just an embarrassment of riches this guy has at his disposal now. I defy you to find anyone who could have gotten this same level of play, never mind a higher level of play than Tom Thibodeau. And if that doesn't equal the NBA coach of the year, man, I don't know what does. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. The remote is still missing, but let's go to the calls. Let's go to the phones. We'll go to uh, Carol is in New Jersey. Carol, you're next up on ESPN New York. Hi, David. How are you? You know, I'm actually a Nets fan. I've been a Nets fan since uh, the beginning of time. But I, I really 
would like the Knicks to do well, and I'm very pleased with the play. Um, but one thing, I, a question I had, what happened with Luca Bildoza? Why is he not playing at this well, time? I, I don't know that they're going to bring him on at this point. I know that there was some excitement about, um, you know, signing him. Um, and I think it was yeah, a, I've a, never a, heard more than a one-year deal. So. Yeah, I mean, oh, I think that that's more about the future than it is the right now. I, I, I think that he's eligible for the playoffs this year, right. but I would be kind of surprised given Tibbs' his reputation that they're just going to, you know, pluck this guy from uh, a league in Europe and then kind of throw him into the mix at this point. Right. I would think that that would probably be mm-hmm. a move for the future. Right. <laughs> okay. Okay, thanks. All right. thank you. You're thank welcome. You. Thank you. Thanks for making the call. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Yeah, I think it was a, was it a three-year deal or a four-year deal, whatever it was. Uh, I would think that that's probably a move that is going to, uh, you know, when you get through this season wherever it ends, that um, he, as the, the scouting report of being a, a big playmaker, and uh, I don't even remember what league he is in, but, uh, you know, next clearly um, – they have issues when it comes to the point guard. Derrick Rose has been great, but uh, they, ca- even with the level of play that the Knicks have been at, even with the potential of being the four seed, which the Knicks clearly have, even of the potential of winning a playoff series, which the Knicks clearly have, it doesn't stop Knicks fans from complaining about Alfred Payton. I mean, no matter how good things are, it does not stop them from complaining about Alfred Payton. Being in the starting lineup, playing basically at all, and uh, I think that this is, you know, it's kind of hard when you get as much as you have gotten out of this team to question Tibbs too much. But that is one area where I think that the Knicks are going to look to improve. Like if you had to pick one spot, the Knicks were going to change the roster in the offseason. I think point guard would be a would be a pretty good bet. Would be a pretty good bet. Didn't I open the show and tell you that Aaron Judge was going to have a big night tonight? Didn't I tell you? Yeah, he was in a slump. Yay, struck out a bunch. But he's going to make his presence felt tonight against the Rays. And, and not even being sarcastic, you know, these are important games against the Rays. you got to start beating them once in a while. I'm not saying you have to win all of them, but win one, two, three, you know, win a couple. That's all I'm asking. But the Yankees now a 2-0 lead on those Rays down at the Trop uh, as a uh, pass ball past uh, Mike Zanino. Uh, that got by, allowed a run to score, and this is after another pass ball by Zanino. Allowed the Yankee runners at first and second move up to second and third, and this happened while Judge was in the box. So clearly it was the imposing presence of Aaron Judge that uh, made uh, Zanino buckle. Could you imagine if that were Gary Sanchez that did that? Two pass balls to allow a run to score. Oh, my God. And look, Sanchez has been terrible. I'll be the first one to admit it. Can't watch him swing a bat anymore. I'm done. I'm good. Put Kyle Higashioka in there every single day, and I'll be fine with it. Because, again, I, I get it. He's not the offensive player that, that Sanchez could be. But could be is, I mean, it, it never happens. It hasn't happened in a long time. He, he runs into one every once in a while. But – at least with Higashioka, I know I'm getting defense. Like, out of all the characteristics between the two players, the strongest skill set is Higashioka's defense. Now, he's not going to be the offensive player that he's been so far this year if you play him on a regular basis, but he might not be all that much worse than Gary Sanchez has been. But if Gary Sanchez had been behind the plate tonight and gave up two pass balls and allowed a run to score, 
Whew. I know what they would have been talking about on the K show tomorrow. I know what DCR would have been leading with tomorrow. That's for sure. But the Yankees, a uh, 2 nothing lead on the Rays. I don't know if I mentioned this, but I did find the remote. So I, na- I can now flip over to SNY and let you know that the Mets and Orioles still scoreless there. So uh, we'll see uh, how. And, and big news, right, in baseball. Finally, we're going to get to see uh, Jared Kalenic, the, the big prospect the Mets dealt away in the Edwin Diaz and Robinson Cano deal, or at least one of the prospects they. And uh, he has been. He was one of the top prospects in baseball when they made that deal. Brody, Van Wagenen made that deal to bring in uh, Cano, and that part of it has not worked out at all. The best thing Cano has done since he's been a Met is get suspended. (laughs) Get suspended for the entire season. So you can open up second base for Jeff McNeil. That's a team player. That is a team player. Finally, you can play McNeil in his natural position, although it's not really helped his offense any. But Kalenic was uh, the big piece, the, the centerpiece of that deal and has been tearing it up in the minor leagues. And it was really just a question of when, not if, he was going to get the call up. And I don't know, did they ever make it official? I know Passon was the one that was reporting it and there's been some confirmation from other places. But I think it's Thursday that he's going to start. I'm not sure. I'll have to check that out. I probably should check these things out before I mention them. It is Thursday. I just Thursday, looked it up. Right? Jeff I Passon so. reported it. Yeah. yeah, I thought so. All right, see, I got it right. Got another one right for Gordon. Pat him on the back. There we go. All right, so today, I mentioned this in the open. Today is May 11th. May 11th. Big day in movie history. Now, I'm going to ask, look, I'm, I'm, you're on the honor system. So I'm going to ask that you, did you Google this information in any way? I plead the fifth. Oh, see, that's that's a no. That mean you absolutely did. Brian, did you are you honest? I plead the fifth. Oh my god, you both cheated. You ruined the segment. You absolutely ruined the segment. What if that I is, didn't what if I didn't Google what? it and I actually asked my friend Jeeves? No, no, that's the same thing. It's the same is, thing is if it you though? binged it. Is it's it the, the same, same thing? absolutely. Of course it is. Oh, you just took a nice segment and you just threw it in the trash. That's a terrible job by you two. <laughs> Especially I... you, Brian. You're supposed to be the good one. Jake, <laughs> I expect these type of things from. Can I tell you what I thought it was? I thought it Well, yeah. before, before we do that, let me tell the audience what it is. Today, May 11th, 1980, that's the day Henry Hill in uh, Goodfellas had to drive to Rockaway to get uh, Lois's lucky hat. Yes. There you go. And that's, of course, I mean, Scorsese, you know Scorsese is such a brilliant director and is so good with music that he can take music that you've heard your entire life, songs, well-known songs, and from the moment you see them in his movies, it changes what you associate with that music. Like this piece of music, and just the musical sense, it's just a sweet piece of music, the ending to Layla. It's so sweet. It's just pure it almost sounds like like coming home, coming to your home after a long trip away and, and thinking. But when you see it in Goodfellas with Carbone in the meat truck, it obviously, and that's, I'm sure that's the reason why they, they chose that piece of music because it had one kind of feeling surrounding it and then they went and completely changed it. But uh, of course, the, the, the real music from that scene, the May 11th, 1980 scene, that's the, the key is um, I think it's Harry Nielsen into the fire or something along those lines. And when you hear it, it's not a real, I don't, to me, it's not a popular song. But when you hear that song, there's only one association you can have. And it's Henry Hill strung out of his mind, looking for helicopters over his head, moving the guns to to, uh, the wife's parents' house and moving them to Jimmy. And 
And uh, that happened uh, May 11th, 1980. I don't know if that's the actual day that it happened. And obviously, it's a true story. But I don't know if that's the actual day that it happened. But May 11th, 1980. Anything I could ever do to bring up the movie Goodfellas, uh, I try to do. And that scene, I have never partaken in that. Uh, but uh, people who have, the reason why, and that's probably the most um, dizzying and um, spectacular editing sequence in the movie Goodfellas, the whole, all the music being cut together, all the different songs being cut together, the different locations he's going to pick up his brother, the doctor's checking him out, all those different scenes, those are supposed to give you a feeling of what it is supposed to be like uh, to be on cocaine. So if you've never, you can see that, and, and that might be a good, um, a good barometer to never try it. I think that that would be the case. It's almost like, uh, what was the, the movie with... Um, Oh, I'm blanking on it now. The gambling movie with um, Adam Sandler. Uncut Gems. Uncut yes. Gems. I can't rewatch that movie because it just makes you so anxious the whole time. The way they shoot it, the way he's acting. I mean, that's the sense that they want to give you, that they, this guy's life is just so, oh, is so uh, you know, out of whack. That it's a very uncomfortable watch. It's a good movie. He's fantastic in it, but it's a tough rewatch. It's not a great rewatch. That scene in Goodfellas, though, I feel like it is a good rewatch, even though it's kind of giving you the same sense. I was going to say, I get stressed when I lose like a $10 parlay. Oh, forget Watch, it. Watching that movie, oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a high-strung movie. But uh, there you go. May 11th, 1980. Brian and uh, Jake, those are the ones that are responsible for ruining the segment. But there you go, uh, but, 1980. But you didn't hear what Jake thought it was originally. What was it originally, Jake? I thought for some reason it had to do with Back to the Future. Every time I hear a movie date, for some reason, I always think that it's something to do you can with always, Back to the Future. It's that thing where you get it wrong in your mind and you can visualize it even though it's not the right thing. Like everybody thinks that, like, uh, um, there's a term for it. I'll find it in the break. Uh, the Mandela effect, I think it's called the Mandela effect, where you remember things incorrectly, but in your mind you think that they're correct, and you can look at those numbers that they have in the, in the not the flux capacitor, but the screen with all the dates, and you can visualize in your mind if you think about it, oh, no, it was that date, it was this date, it was that date, when it's only obviously the one date. I think it was October, right, of 1955. Tomorrow, big day, right? Tomorrow's the day NFL schedules get released. Oh, baby. <laughs> and I know people have said, well, it's hoopla. It's about nothing. You already know the opponents. Well, look, there's, a, I mean, a lot of the NFL offseason and, and a lot of the NFL season, just because we love football, is, is nonsense. Like power rankings. They're complete nonsense. Draft grades immediately following the draft. At least the opponents... That, it, it feels like, is a little bit more um, important because you'll see what stretches of the season you have that are difficult stretches, where you open, where you close. I know for a team like mine in Miami or maybe for the Jets, you know, you want to get that Buffalo trip out of the way maybe a little earlier than later. Uh, maybe the trip to New England, you don't want it to be uh, in the middle of uh, the winter. Well, although the, the Jets, you know, they, they'll deal with some bad weather. It's not nearly what Buffalo will be in December. So the Giants, it seems like, you know, for a fact, the only question about their opening game, is it going to be against the Cowboys or is it, is it going to be at the Cowboys or is it going to be home for the Cowboys? It feels like every single year it's, it's the Cowboys early on. And, and a lot of times it feels like it's always the Sunday night game. If I had to make a prediction and tomorrow, I guess it's at eight o'clock 
the uh, the schedule release, although I'm sure it'll leak out before that happens. If you had to bet who the Jets' first opponent, the season opener, if they hadn't faced Buffalo last year in the season opener, I feel like that would be one that they'd have. That's a that's a <laughs> that's a tough that's a tough way to open. I would not be surprised. This is a little bit off the board. But I would say Jets, Jaguars. Jets play the Jets. The Jets schedule this year at home, Buffalo, Miami, New England, obviously. Jacksonville, Tennessee, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, Cincinnati, Philadelphia. And then on the road, Buffalo, Miami, New England, Houston, Indianapolis, Denver, Atlanta, Carolina. Although, oh, that's a good one too, right? Although I don't know they go... Uh, NFC, don't they usually start in conference the first, like the first week? I feel like that the, the the first game of the season, you know, the first pick in the draft versus the second pick in the draft. You don't want Buffalo. Uh, I don't think you want, obviously, uh, Tampa Bay either. Tennessee would be kind of a tough matchup. But, I mean, look, the Jets have a very easy schedule. There's no, I mean, outside of the teams that you kind of have to play, the fact that you are a last place team, there's not that many great teams. You know, Denver at Denver is, uh, is not bad. Denver's got a good team, but the quarterback situation's a mess. Atlanta was bad the past year. Carolina's got a lot of change, had only five wins. Houston, God, if they win four games, if they match last year's season total, that guy might deserve coach of the year because they are going to be god-awful. They might not win a game. That's how bad the Texans are going to be. Now, the only caveat I would put on that is I have to wait to see uh, just what happens with the quarterback situation, but you'd have to expect week one, either by his choice or the league's choice, that Deshaun Watson is not going to be the quarterback of the Houston Texans. That is just a uh, god-awful situation with Houston. J.J. Watt's gone. They're clearly rebuilding. They're not going to have their quarterback. Tyrod Taylor's going to be there. The overall talent around him is not very good. I think they, didn't they finish last year um, with like six losses in a row or something like that? I mean, they are, they are going to be a rookie head coach. Their draft, they didn't have a first or a second round pick. Then when they finally did have a pick, they take it on a developmental quarterback, which, I mean, what, what's the point of that? You're going to have the number one pick in the draft next year. Get your, get your quarterback then rather than taking a quarterback now where he comes into just an impossible situation so i'll be i'll be interested to see what the jet schedule is i'm sure jet fans will be compliant the the uh usually it's their first round pick they're not happy about this or that this year that's not the case but i'm sure uh that the uh, schedule every single year i've always heard man the, the the league did us wrong meanwhile it's 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 scheduled ahead of the, like the opponents you already know it's just the the order now the order is important I want, you know, you don't want to start it with like Buffalo, Miami back to back, I wouldn't think. But I would think that if you had to pick, you know, you want a, a decent storyline for week one. The Carolina one is intriguing because you'd have Sam back. Oh, no, the game's at Carolina. So you'd have Sam going up against his old team. That feels like much more of a, a later in the season kind of game. Jacksonville Jets week one, if I had to put my money on it. That's the one I would put my. You guys and, have any picks on that? Uh, I was just going to say the one thing that really sticks out to me with the 17 games in a season is 
aren't certain teams going to be playing one more home game, which is clearly a big advantage to have nine home games compared to eight away games. So I did some research, and Dan Graziano, who we heard some audio from before, he wrote a really good article with a bunch of frequently uh, frequently asked questions about this new 17-game schedule. And he said basically that the owners have proposed a system under which once conference teams will get the extra home game one season right. and then the following season, yeah. the other It's all the AFC get. teams that are home the extra game this year and then next year it's the NFC. But I have a feeling in, in future years they're going to they're gonna boost it up to 18 games. Sooner or later we're going to have like a 30-game season. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it will uh, now that they have the extra game, yeah, I mean, it's only a matter of time it feels like before they say, you know what, it's, uh, the odd number, we don't like the odd number. And i got to be honest with you, after saying, you know, my team's going to go 10 and 6 or my team's going to go 8 and 8, saying that they're going to go 11 and 6 just sounds weird that they're going to go 9 and uh, uh, 10 and 7 as opposed to 9 and 7. It sounds weird. It's going to take a, a long time to get used to that. I guess the the Jets extra game is Philly, right? And that's not a terrible game to have. Well, look, I, I looked at it and according to the uh, the metrics, the Jets are, are projected to have the fourth easiest schedule. Now, I would say that's a little bit of a stretch. I don't think it'll be that easy because I think the division is going to be tougher this year. Um, I think New England's going to be better. The, the Dolphins should be a good team. And then, of course, Buffalo should be uh, the team to beat in the AFC East. And how often do teams that finish last place one year, as my uh, iPad is starting to die, um, how bad are teams the one year that they finish in last place and they finish in last place a second year? So the fact that the Jets have a last place schedule they're going to play a lot of last-place teams. But they were last-place teams last year. So are the Fa- I think the Falcons are probably going to be better than a four-win team this year. They certainly hope so. Uh, I think Carolina could be have more than five wins like they had last year. So I do think that the Jets' schedule will be a little tougher, but at least projected on the, 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 the teams from last year, which they're going to obviously be different, uh, I do think that they're going to uh, have a fairly uh, easy schedule this year you know Denver's not too tough uh Cincinnati uh, you know Burrow's going to be back at some point but I don't know if he's going to be ready for week one um Houston's terrible Denver's bad Carolina I think I listed them all Eagles I don't think are going to be very good uh, Jacksonville I have major questions about that so yeah that's not a bad schedule that's not that's not a terrible schedule it's just a, a question you know you don't want them all at one time and you have a rookie quarterback. So there's no real expectations of wins and losses. You would think just based on having credible people running the show that they're going to have more wins than the two they had last year, five, maybe six, because they have the extra game. But uh, I think it's more about just the progress overall, the team and seeing where you stand as the season moves along and just how the quarterback looks as the season moves along. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Just quickly updating the baseball. Yankees, the uh, 2-1 lead. Mets and Orioles still scoreless as they move to the uh, top of the fifth. I'll say this. The new baseball, man, it leads to some very quick games because the Mets are already halfway through. Uh, Now, it helps that you haven't scored any runs. It it takes a lot of the time out of the game if you don't have anybody going around the bases. And so far, they have six hits between them. And that uh, means and uh, Marcus Stroman going at it there in the Yankees 2-1. All right, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Jim is in Manhattan. Jim, what's going on? Uh, hello, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. What's up? 
Uh, listen, you know, Nick Foles had three very strong years in Philadelphia, and I don't think you can hold it against him for not playing well in a bad, bad Bears organization. All the quarterbacks seem to do badly over there. And a couple of months ago, you and your partner gave me a really hard time when I said the Jets should get Foles, and now you just mentioned you, you think that's a good idea and that the Jets might do that. Well, as a backup, not as a starter. Uh, well, why, why couldn't he be a starter? Uh, it's not that long since he led Philly to the Super Bowl and into the playoffs when they were doing badly with Wentz. And that's only a couple of years ago when he was a very solid Yeah, I mean, starter. he came in. I mean, he, he, he had one magical kind of run. He had a, a magical season. I think it was the second year in the league. And then he kind of bounced around and he got back to Philly. He's had two seasons that have been fantastic in every other season. Uh, has not been very good, even for Philly. So, um, you know. Uh, well, I think the year after they won the Super Bowl, they were not even going to be close to the playoffs. Wentz got hurt, and then they won all their games with Foles and uh, got into the playoffs and won a playoff game. And I think he had one other strong year. When they didn't go the, the second playoffs, year in the but... league, he was pretty good. And it looked like they yeah. had really solved things. And then they uh, they had, uh, what's his name, uh, Chip Kelly there, and they moved off him pretty quickly. And, you know, he's well, bounced around. He's a, he's a backup quarterback. He's a backup yeah. quarterback. I'm not even saying that Foles has to be the guy. I'm just saying that that makes sense because uh, of the connection to, uh, to Joe Douglas from his time in Philly. The Jets have to go out and get somebody who's kind of been around the block. You know, Alex Smith would have been kind of the perfect guy, but Alex Smith retired. The Jets have to find somebody who's kind of been around the block, maybe has been a high pick in the past, uh, and, and could kind of show uh, – Zach Wilson, the ropes a little bit as he gets uh, established as, as the Jets franchise quarterback. No, but no, I mean, they're not going to go out and get Nick Foles to, to play any extended period of time. It's more to be that mentor role. Uh, uh, and they might be able to get him because he's making a ton of money and the Bears would probably want to move off of him. Yeah, Dalton would have been good for that. It would have cost them less money, too. Uh, I don't know how much. I mean, Dalton, I think, is getting $10 million a year. Dalton is. Yeah, is I think Foles gets a lot more than that. Uh, I don't think. I think most of Foles' money was up front. I'll take a look at it. And, Jim, thanks uh -huh. for the phone call. I mean, um, you know, but no, nobody's. The Jets have their quarterback. Their quarterback is Zach Wilson. It's just, I don't know if you're going to want to put him in a situation where the, the only other person on the team or. Uh, the next viable option on the team uh, quarterback is uh, the kid Morgan, who they took in the fourth round a year ago and hasn't played. So they have to go out and find somebody so that if Zach Wilson comes in and it's a little too big for him to start, or if he, enters, uh, he ends up suffering an injury or something in training camp, or he's a little bit behind the curve because of this thing or that thing, they have somebody who's kind of uh, a credible quarterback who might not be great, but can at least not lose you a game. Uh, I think Nick Foles would be that kind of guy. Alex Smith would have been a perfect example, but uh, he decided to retire. And I don't know if he decided to come back. I don't think that he necessarily would have wanted to sit for somebody else. So they have to go and find that guy. Jets have some money. And uh, I'm sure that they – I would be very, very surprised if they go into uh, the season with the, the quarterback situation being exactly the, the way it is. Yankees leading the Rays 2-1 as they uh, play down at the uh, Trop. They're right now top of the seventh inning. I thought I thought that Luke Voigt was going to have a uh, big return. Just moments ago, flew out to the warning track. But uh, still 2-1 Yankees as they play top seven. Uh, now, I have DirecTV in my studio. And, of course, if, you, if you've ever had DirecTV, you know it's behind 
uh, everything else, like every other cable provider. And I've had DirecTV for the longest time because you've, up until now, always had to have DirecTV to see the out-of-town games. You could get the Red Zone channel on other things, but you couldn't get the out-of-town games on something else. Now, Sunday Ticket, I, I don't know, it, it, there has not been a announcement so far of where Sunday Ticket is going to be, so maybe might be time to climb up the house and remove the old DirecTV because, uh, unfortunately, not only do Jake and Brian ruin uh, radio segments by uh, cheating. I mean, what do you think this is, Stump Rothenberg? But they also ruin the suspense of the game because whatever they're watching it on, I get to hear about it before I get to see it. So I knew that Luke Floyd had flown out because you guys ruined it. Now I'm on the Met game, and the Yankees have just scored. Maybe i got to watch the Mets more often. What happened here? So your boy, uh, one of the best hitters on the New York Yankees, Gary Sanchez, oh, went Gary. to Sanchez, the Sanchez is back. The Kraken. Yes, release the Kraken. He goes oppo, and a nice little ding-dong for him. And so. it's, it's funny because release the Kraken has a whole new meaning to it now. Some people literally want to release the yes, Kraken. Yes, that's true. They want him someplace else. So, uh, look, uh, Gary Sanchez, that's the appeal, right? You're hoping... I think at this point, you, it, the, the ship has sailed on him being kind of a complete hitter or a guy who's going to hit 260 or 270. You're just hoping that he kind of runs into one once in a while and over the course of the year runs into enough of them that he hits 30 home runs and is just not a, a liability behind the plate. He's not really been an issue behind the plate so far this year. Now, the offense has not been very good. Uh, but at least you get those home runs every once in a while. So for a game in which Jordan Montgomery is absolutely cruising, and the fact that I have not called Jordan Montgomery Jake Montgomery at least once tonight is a credit to me, but Montgomery has been absolutely cruising. So now a 3-1 lead, and we shall see if the Yankees can hold on and get a very rare win uh, against the Tampa Bay Rays. So good stuff there. Home runs for Judge tonight and Sanchez, two guys who have been struggling. Uh, Not a whole lot of offense. But now with Luke Voigt back in the, the fold, hopefully the lineup, which the bottom half really has been struggling. I have a question for you. Okay. If you were Aaron Boone, yeah. how would you close out this game with Montgomery and the bullpen? Well, Montgomery's still only at 85 pitches. So I'm, I'm, I'm riding with Montgomery until I see something that tells me I don't need to ride with Montgomery. But the bullpen, I mean, they had the day off yesterday, so everything should be uh, well-rested. I'd have to see, you know, lefty-righty. I don't know that I can predict where I'd use uh, Lucas Litke or something like that. But are you talking about the um, the Chapman issue? Because No, I was just going to say, would you go to Green in the eighth, Chapman, uh, Chapman obviously in the ninth. But yeah, would you... I mean, if, if Montgomery is done after seven, Green, uh, Chapman, it seems like the, the right way to go. Yeah, I have no, no issues with that. I just no can't wait till uh, Zach Burton comes back. That's going to be a huge move for the Yankees. Yeah, I mean that. You know, unfortunately, it doesn't come until late in the month. Uh, I think that he's not eligible until like the the last day of May or something like that. So, and just I just hope that there's not going to be any uh, side. I mean, it's amazing that the Yankee pitching, especially the starting pitching, has been this good. That's been the real shock. I think the bullpen. Everybody thought the bullpen could be pretty good. And I think everybody kind of expected, obviously, that the uh, the offense was going to be real good. The the pitching, the starting pitching especially, has been sensational. I, I guess uh, I, I could also um, use Loisaga. Loisaga is starting to, to gain in that circle of trust. 
Really, the only guy who's out of the circle of trust, I think, would be kind of Justin Wilson. He's been uh, a little shaky. But Chad Green, Loisga, either one. I don't know what the numbers are against the batters, but I'm sure the analytics team has uh, run that down. Uh, but yeah, you got to get to Chapman and uh, 3-1 lead. He's got to be able to, uh, to close it out. Now, as for the Mets, still scoreless over at uh, City Field. Had an opportunity just a little while ago. They had runners at first and second. Nobody out. They had runners at first and third and one out, but unable to uh, push across a run. So, I mean, the, the, all the focus that has been on the Yankee offense, it's not like the Mets offense has been any great shakes either. I mean, they have really struggled to score runs. Now, a lot of people have focused on uh, Lindor and his struggles, obviously, because they've just been so pronounced. But they have had trouble scoring runs consistently. They're not hitting a lot of home runs now. Some of the guys' numbers overall look a little bit better. But, uh, yeah, that last inning, it was a con- uh, an Alonzo. He fouled out to first, and then Pilar flied out to center. So another rally. Mets have six hits on tonight. They've gotten guys on. They just have not been able to get them in. So uh, still 0-0, the Orioles and the Mets. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.